This is your morning wake-up call on Sports Country. Grab a cup of coffee and hang with us every weekday morning for the latest news, sports, and other things going on around the world and in your backyard. Now, here's your host, Gene Gums. Well, good morning, everybody. Six minutes past nine o'clock here in Hayesville, North Carolina. Welcome to a TGIF wake-up call here on Sports Country Radio. Appreciate you spending a few minutes with us this morning. A gloomy day down here in the uh, the southeast. We are in an enhanced risk for uh, uh, severe weather today, severe thunderstorms, tornado watch in effect uh, fun stuff, but again, I don't have to shovel it, and uh, I'm built in uh, out in the middle of nowhere. So hopefully, uh, no no big uh, problems here this afternoon. Uh, as we have been doing lately, it seems like we start every show with the police blotter. We might as well uh, do that again today. Of course, everybody talking about the uh, verdict of Alex Murdoch last night, uh, where he was convicted on all charges. That was uh, just a bizarre case. Um, you kind of knew that was going to. When you found out that he they came back in less than three hours, you were like, "Yep," <laughs> kind of knew what was going on. Uh, but uh, uh, the most bizarre thing about that last night, after the verdict is is read, I'm on Twitter, and I don't know, maybe a half hour, forty five minutes later, or something like that. Of all people, O.J. Simpson has a video. On Twitter, talking about the Alex Murdoch case and the verdict, and oh my God! Look, uh, <laughs> here's one thing that I have rapidly, you know, that I rapidly came to the realization of with OJ. Not very bright. I mean, look, you know, after he gets, a lot of people thought he got away with, with murder, and you know. Uh, Maybe he did, maybe he didn't, who knows. Um, but, you know, then he gets himself into trouble with other things after that's all over, ends up in jail anyway for something else. It's almost like the cops were going to get it for something. Um, but then since he's gotten out of jail and is, you know, back in private life and you'd think you'd just want to lay low and live your life and, you know, but he is constantly on Twitter with stupid things. And of all things for O.J. Simpson to be commenting on a murder trial, oh, my Lord. And as you can imagine, the people on Twitter were not kind in the comments after his video. And and that's happened, by the way, on a regular basis. Anytime he posts something, you know, somebody's always saying, so, hey, how's the uh, search for the real killer going? You know, if, if you're O.J., I mean— why? Why do you want it? Why? Why? Other than the fact you have the intelligence of pocket lint. That's about all I can come up with. But, I mean, it, it, I saw that and I just had to laugh. Had to laugh. Um, the other thing we talked about yesterday was 
the whole situation with the University of Georgia football player Jalen Carter, who was at the NFL Combine when he found out that he needed to turn himself in, uh, left the Combine to, uh, uh, to be arraigned on uh, charges of reckless driving and racing uh, that led to the deaths of uh, one of his teammates and a member of the recruiting staff. Come to find out they were both drunk, uh, you know, both drivers were drunk, and as I've said, nothing nothing good's happening at 2.30 in the morning. But I speculated yesterday, I wondered, you know, is this going to hurt his draft position? And I figured that it probably would. I mean, this is a guy that was thought to be somebody who was going to be a top 10 draft pick. Some people thought he might be the number one overall draft pick. Um, and so there was a story this morning in the Associated Press, actually it was yesterday, and one of the uh, people that they there was no name attached to the quote, but it was basically a, a source for a team that's in the top five of the draft said that everybody there is kind of taking a wait and see attitude. But another source was pretty blunt about it. And he said, if the extent of what happens are just those two misdemeanors that he's been arrested on for, you know, uh, you know, the reckless driving and, and the racing. Um, he said he thinks that he is one of those players that is special enough to survive something like that if, and he qualified it, if that's the extent of it. If, if all that comes out of those two charges, they don't think it's going to affect his draft position at all. So he is going to be in line to still be perhaps a five, top 5, 10 draft pick and make himself a lot of money. Now, look, one thing that we have found, in especially in the NFL and occasionally in other sports, but especially in the NFL, that there can be some really bad things that people do. And if you're a good enough player, it's amazing what people will look the other way when it comes to certain things. For instance, obviously, you know, the most recent evidence of that is Deshaun Watson, right, with the whole massage thing. But you can go back to the days. Remember Ray Lewis, great linebacker for the Baltimore Ravens, was involved in a case where a guy got murdered. And he was charged with murder. And eventually made his way back to the NFL. So, and we've seen it in baseball, guys that are, you know, accused or found guilty of beating their wives slash girlfriends or whatever have found their way back into baseball. You know, uh, I don't know that Trevor Bauer, as 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 uh, high profile as his case was, and the graphic details that came out about him, even though he was never charged, right? The, the He was investigated, but they never pressed charges. He's being sued civilly by a couple of people, but he was never found uh, or, or charged with anything criminal. I'm not sure he'll make it back because the... the Whew. The stuff you read about, you know, what went on there, you're just like, yeah, I don't know that any team is going to want to have anything to do with uh, the radioactivity that he would be. But it is amazing what 
being a talented athlete will allow you to get away with. Is it right? Of course it's not. Of course it's not. Just like people would argue that the amount of money that these people make is ridiculous. You know, but it is what it is. It's, you know, hey, look, uh, it's, it's, it's entertainment, right? Sports is part of our entertainment, just like we have actors and actresses that have been accused of certain things. And, you know, a lot of them find their way back. Some of them don't. You know, I'll be surprised if we ever see Kevin Spacey again, even though he has been uh, found not guilty or a lot of things have been, charges have been dropped against him. But again, he's one of those guys that there's so much noise around him that he's kryptonite. I don't know anybody wants any part of him. You know, but we have seen other cases of guys that, you know, have been convicted of things that are still acting today and some big names. So it's, you know, it's again, it's part of entertainment so you can get away with a lot. So to continue uh, along that line in our police blotter moment, uh, yesterday, Alvin Kamara running back for the New Orleans Saints along with uh, Cincinnati Bengals cornerback Chris Lamons and a couple of other co-defendants were arraigned on uh, charges of beating a man unconscious at a Las Vegas strip club before the Pro Bowl. Uh, They are each charged with a felony and a misdemeanor for punching, kicking, and stomping on a guy by the name of uh, Darnell Green Jr. of Houston during an altercation outside an elevator. It, look, if uh, if convicted, the felony battery charge could get him one to five years in prison. Excuse me. Uh, the uh, uh, you know the misdemeanor could get him another year in jail. And Alvin Kamara said not guilty, Your Honor, when he was you know asked what he pled, and uh, his attorneys have said that it was self defense. And, you know, they criticized the prosecutor saying, no, you're just trying, because he's a big name, you're trying to, you know, make a big deal out of this, make a splash, make a name for yourself, yada, yada, yada. Um, And uh, the attorney for uh, Chris Lamons, who plays for the Bengals, acknowledged that Lamons actually hit the guy, but he called it, quote, unquote, a measured response to being pushed or shoved in the hallway of the nightclub. Uh, so, uh, look, Green, uh, had his face was beaten up pretty good. He had fractured bones around his eye, a bunch of other injuries. You know, now the police report says that Green never hit, punched, or pushed Kamara, any of his associates. They said it was a simple case of Green was trying to get out of, onto an elevator and Kamara put his hand on uh, Green's chest to stop him from getting on the elevator. Green pushed the player's hand away and, you know, havoc ensued after that. So, you know, and Green is suing Kamara in a civil court asking for $10 million in, in damages. But, look, this is one of the cases. Even if they wanted to settle the civil suit out of court, this is a criminal case now. So, Kamara, what do the Saints do? You know, I mean, this could drag on for a while. Who knows? Uh, you would think that the NFL is going to probably step in as well, and Kamara is not going to be participating in any off-season workouts until this thing is all settled. But again, Alvin Kamara, who you know, although he has dealt with some injuries in the last year or so, 
one of the most talented backs in the league. What kind of break is he going to get from the Saints and the NFL because of his talent? We'll see. Um, okay, now that's enough of the police blotter. <laughs> uh, a couple other things I want to talk about this morning. This is, uh, you know, a lot of you may not be interested in this, but it's something that because I worked in college athletics for so long, it's something that, that is uh, uh, I keep a close eye on. And that's the whole uh, thing with the NCAA, with the name, image, and likeness uh, thing that was passed to allow athletes to profit from their name, you know, the, you know, endorse basically just to be an endorser of different products. And we have seen uh, athletes make ridiculous amounts of money doing this. As I've said before, I don't have a problem with the athletes making money off their name, college athletes. I think they should be able to. I didn't ever anticipate it would get to this level to be a national thing the way it has been. But, hey, you know what? Why shouldn't they be able to endorse a bank or a car or some apparel? Or Why not? Why not? Paige Beckers at the University of Connecticut is making millions doing that. She's making more doing that, ladies and gentlemen, than she will make when she graduates college and goes and plays in the WNBA. Because women in the WNBA aren't making millions of dollars. Paige Beckers is making that because of the people that follow her on social media and, you know, uh, the number of uh, faces that she gets in front of. You know, companies want a piece of that. The problem has become, and this, this has all come to light now, Charlie Baker, the former governor of Massachusetts, just took over as the new NCAA president on Wednesday. And he said that... Uh, Issue number one for him is regulating how these athletes profit off of their names. This whole NIL thing has to be uh, squared away because right now it's the Wild West because when they put the rule in, they didn't really put in a lot of guidelines as to exactly how it should be done. And you have a problem in different states. 30 different states in the country passed their own laws about how this should be done uh, before the NCAA ever got involved. And so it's the Wild West out there. And what has happened now, it's not even the players that are in school right now that are necessarily the problem. The problem is now when it comes to recruiting, especially in basketball and in football, the two sports that make the most revenue for any university, they are using the name, image, and likeness thing as a recruiting tool. It has basically become universities bidding against each other for the services of a, a high school athlete and saying, if you come here, we can guarantee you're going to make $1.5 million a year off of, you know, the NIL deals, you know, with different companies. And, uh, you know, here's a perfect example. A kid out of uh, California, a, a quarterback by the name of Jaden Rashada, was supposedly had a multi-million dollar deal with an NIL collective run by, oh, get this, 
Florida boosters. You know, this is like the old days. Remember when the boosters used to bring in recruits and, you know, hook, get them hookers and, 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 and booze and meals and all that kind of stuff. This is what we've – this is what's happened. Now it's boosters, lawyers, and these people that would be wannabe agents getting involved in this stuff. So a, a group of people that are associated with the University of Florida got together, put together this multimillion-dollar deal. Well, guess what happened? It fell apart. When that fell apart, he went to the next highest bidder, which was Arizona State. And this is what's going on in the NCAA right now. Our amateur athletes. Our athletes that are getting a free college education. I I was thinking about this the other day when in regards to, you know, the big furor over whether Joe Biden has the authority to cancel $10,000 in student loan debt. These Division I college athletes that are on full scholarships will never have to worry about that because they get everything for free. But it's not enough. Not enough. Got to get them millions of dollars. And, and again, I don't have a problem with them making some money. But when we're at a situation where we have multi-million dollar deals to try to recruit a high school athlete to come to your school, that's a problem. That's ridiculous. So... Baker is going to try to rein that in. I don't know how exactly they're going to do it. Look, there's been schools that have been punished. The University of Miami uh, was put on probation uh, because uh, their coach, their women's basketball coach, uh, arranged impermissible contact between a booster and a pair of twins that are social media stars that she was getting to transfer to Miami from Fresno State at the end of last season. When boosters get involved, shady things happen. That's been the truth since the beginning of time. You know, and, and look, Baker's got another, you know, it's not just the whole NIL thing. As we have seen, college football and college basketball, the the really the revenue sports at these universities want things to be done differently. They don't, they don't want to have to operate the same way the indoor track team does. And you can make an argument that perhaps they shouldn't have to. But how far do you let them go? You know, and there is some talk about, you know, c- coming up with some kind of a system to let them do things differently. But, again, that can that can go awry very quickly. So Charlie Baker's got his work cut out for him, you know. And I think part of the 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 target and one of the reasons that Baker's doing this is they're trying to keep the Congress, the U.S. Congress, out of this because there has been a lot of lobbying going on about trying to get the federal government to take control of this and to regulate it. And I don't think the, the NCAA doesn't want to lose that level of control. And I don't think the Congress really wants to take this up. And I would like to think that the Congress has better things to do, like figuring out how to feed all the starving people in the United States and figuring out how, how uh, to take care of our senior citizens and things. You, I would think they would have much more important things to do, although with some of the petty stuff going on in Washington now, perhaps not. But I would like to think that, Congress would like to stay out of this as well. So I'm ho- Charlie Baker's got his work cut out for him, but I, but I hope he can he can figure this out. Um, one other business note before we get to actual sports. 
Um, and we, I've mentioned this on the show before, but it is becoming more and more likely that this is going to happen. Um, the regional sports networks are, are dying, are collapsing. Uh, Bally Sports is about to file bankruptcy. Um, it's, it's owned by a group called the Diamond Sports Group, but it's what everybody that watches, you know, has cable knows what the Bally Sports Networks are, and they're owned by Diamond. Um, right now, two-thirds of the Major League Baseball teams have deals with regional sport ne- networks like Bally, um, AT&T, and, and a couple others. that. Uh, but they – and Dis- Discovery owns, I think, four of them, and they have also said that they are getting out. So – now you're going to have a situation where two-thirds of the Major League Baseball teams don't know how their games are going to be on television for their fans to watch. Now, Major League Baseball, Rob Manfred has stepped in and said that they are prepared to take this on. The question I have is, well, whose equipment are they going to use? You know, look, we know that they made MLB TV does some production on its own, and they have the MLB network, so they have some ability but in order to to do this you need an awful lot of equipment if you're going to be uh doing games for 23 teams or or 22 teams how do how where is that equipment coming from and the other part of it is is that the teams themselves get a lot of money from these regional broadcasts I mean, it's a significant portion of a team's revenue, depending on on you know the, on the team, you know, and 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 the other problem is we've talked about it. They get a bunch of money from these regional sport networks, and then they don't put it back into their payroll. But what's interesting is you know, which is a load of crap, especially when you look at, for instance, San Diego, the Padres, uh, who look at all the people they've signed, look at all the money that they're spending. Do you know their local TV revenue ranks twenty second? Out of the 29 teams, they make less money from their regional sport network or from their their TV revenue than the Rays, the A's, and the Orioles, and yet they are have one of the highest payrolls in Major League Baseball. So the the idea that uh, these other teams can't afford to do this is garbage. So I, I don't know where Major League Baseball is going to come up with this, but they have promised that if these things collapse, and it is going to happen because uh, Diamond Sports Group has already defaulted on an interest payment, which gives Major League Baseball and these teams a 30, 30 days uh, for Diamond to get their act together or they can cancel the contract. The positive news with this, according to Rob Manfred and and because Rob Manfred, you know, part of the problem with the regional sports networks is that they have blackouts. So if you have the MLB TV package or the uh, uh, the extra innings package on, you know, your local cable thing, um, your local sports, your local teams are blacked out on there. So uh, what Rob Manfred is saying is if they take it over, they can do away with that. And MLB TV and the other – uh, uh, streaming options like uh, you know, like the the extra innings and all that other stuff. 
you can buy then they then they, it could be set up where you can buy a la carte. You could buy broadcast for just specific teams and not have to worry about blackouts. I have that problem here. You know, if I have MLB TV, I can't get the Atlanta Braves games or the Cincinnati Reds games, which is ridiculous. The Reds are seven hours away. I get Atlanta. Atlanta is only a couple hours away. But, and there's one of the teams, like three teams that are blacked out where I am. So, I mean, I, so I get it. And, but this is going to be a big expense for Major League Baseball, and it's going to be a hit in the wallet to each of these teams. Now, MLB says that if they take it over, you know, there's going to be revenue generated by the ads and all the other stuff and that they can then distribute it to the individual teams. And my guess is what would happen then, it would be on a more uh, standard basis. So if of the 21 or 22 teams, whatever it is that they take over, everybody might get the same amount, you know, as opposed to, you know, one team gets this from their network, one team gets that from that, you know. Uh, but at the end of the day, if Major League Baseball doesn't come up with a way to force these teams to use that revenue to put it back into their payrolls, you know, we're going to continue to have the situation we have now where we have a big uh, uh, disparity between the haves and the have-nots. But keep an eye on that. This uh, Bally Sports could disappear uh, coming up here in the next uh, uh, next 30 days. And it's not just going to affect Major League Baseball. You know, uh, there's NBA games on Bally Sports. There's hockey games on Bally Sports. So it's not going to just be uh, baseball. Baseball is the most immediate one because the other seasons are almost over. Um, and NFL doesn't have regional networks. Everything's national. But uh, the NHL and the NBA are going to be facing the same things come next season um, if it's going the way it appears it will be. 30 minutes past the hour. We're going to take a break. We're back in a minute. You're listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It's 32 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to the wake-up call here on a Friday morning. Uh, the NHL trade deadline coming up today, but uh, moves coming fast and furious. We broke it on the air yesterday uh, that the Boston Bruins uh, had ac- acquired Tyler Bertuzzi from the Detroit Red Wings, so the rich keep getting richer, although with what's going on with the Bruins right now, and uh, we'll get to last night's result in a minute, but... Um, you know, with, with Taylor Hall going down, Nick Felino's out right now. Uh, Brad Marchand got hurt in the game last night. They don't know the extent of it yet with some kind of a lower body injury. You know, you look at it and these other tra- these trades that the Bruins have made to bring in um, uh, three new faces are <laughs> become or four new faces are becoming more and more important because the uh, the injury bug is really hurting them. And how about Jonathan Quick, who was pissed off because he got traded from the Los Angeles Kings where he had spent his entire career. He's a native of uh, Hamden, Connecticut, by the way. Um, He was pissed off that he had to go to Columbus. Well, he got traded again. Columbus sent him back to to the Pacific Division. He goes to the Vegas Golden Knights. Um, Their all-star goaltender, Logan Thompson, of the Knights got hurt. Uh, And so now they have brought in Quick uh, to kind of be their number two goalie. They have a... uh, uh, another backup, but they're going to bring in Quick, who's a veteran goaltender. The, the Las Vegas right now is in uh, first place, or actually second place in the Western Conference, uh, first place in the Pacific Division. They are just one point out of having the best record in the Western Conference. So obviously having a veteran goaltender going down the stretch is going to be very, very important uh, to them. Uh, Max Domi got traded from Chicago. By the way, it was his 28th birthday, so <laughs> here's your birthday present. Uh, you are going from the uh, – 
uh, Chicago Blackhawks uh, to the Dallas Stars. And if you're Max Domi, you have got to be thrilled about that. Uh, the Chicago Blackhawks are the second worst team in the NHL this year. Only only Columbus is worth worse. So he goes from Chicago to the Dallas Stars, who have the best record and the most points in the Western Conference right now. So I'm sure he is very thrilled uh, about that one. Uh, as far as the Bruins go from last night, they win again. It was their ninth straight victory. They beat up on the Buffalo Sabres 7-1 to last night. Uh, the Bruins now with 101 points. They are the fastest team in NHL history to reach 100 points. They, they still have 21 games left in the season. Uh, they are on pace to easily break the Montreal Canadiens' all-time record for points in the season that was set all the way back uh, in the 1976-77 campaign. Um so, uh, look, I mean, they are just in- incredible right now. 48 wins, 8 losses, and uh, 5 overtime losses since we don't have ties anymore. Uh, but if you lose an overtime, you still get a point. Uh, but uh, 25, 2, and 3 at home right now. Uh, another big game last night, Dmitry Orlov, who was another one of those guys that the Bruins brought in before the trade deadline. They got him from the Washington Capitals. Uh, he has played uh, four games for the Bruins. He has four goals and four assists in those four games. Talk about making a big splash. Um, and the other part of uh, the news yesterday for the Bruins, they signed David Posternock after they made the trade uh, to bring in um, – uh, the new player, they made a deal with David Posternock, an eight-year deal that's going to pay him $11.5 million a year to stay in a Bruins uniform. Uh, he is the – that's the only team he's ever played for. Um, his contract was going to be up at the end of this season, so they signed him to an eight-year deal, so now they've got him locked up for a long time. And and, and they needed that because the other guys on their front line, um, you know, uh, are getting older. You know, so they're going to have some decisions to make. They've got to bring in some young talent. You know, and having a guy like Bertuzzi now, Bertuzzi, who they brought in from Detroit, is on an expiring contract. He becomes a free agent at the end of this year, uh, but he's very talented and he's young. And you wonder if that might be a guy that the uh, uh, that the Bruins are going to maybe try to lock up long term. Patrice Bergeron, I think, is thirty eight. Uh, you know, they've got a few guys. Uh, David Krejci, I think, is thirty seven. So they're going to have to make some moves here in the next couple of years to get younger. And some of these moves they made at the trade deadline might be setting that up uh, to happen. So the Bruins, again, continue to roll. And by the way, their record uh, when a defenseman scores this season, I think they're 23-1 and when one of their defensemen scores in the game. Uh, and they are 34-0-2 when leading after the, after the second period. Just incredible what they're doing right now. Jeremy Swayman, uh, 26 saves, actually had a, sh- a shutout going uh, and gave it up with about five and a half minutes to go, but uh, they just continue uh, to roll. Uh, we m- mentioned Patrick Kane, who got traded yesterday uh, from Chicago to come over to the New York Rangers. Well, he played his first game with the Rangers last night, and it didn't go well. They end up losing to the Ottawa Senators. 5-3 to three last night. Claude Giroux 
with the tie-breaking goal early in the third period, and uh, the Ottawa Senators beat the New York Rangers last night. The Rangers, again, in a dogfight. They are in third place in the Metropolitan Division. They are tied for fifth in the Eastern Conference, um, and uh, they are fighting it out. Look, they are only seven points behind Carolina in their division. And, uh, you know, with adding uh, the talent that they did, with Vladimir Tarasenko coming over and now Patrick Kane, this is a very, very dangerous Rangers team, and I don't think anybody uh, wants to play them right now. The uh, Pittsburgh Penguins uh, pick up a much-needed win last night. They beat the Tampa Bay Lightning 5-4 in overtime. Uh, that puts Pittsburgh right now in the number one wild card slot uh, just ahead of the New York Islanders and five points ahead of the Buffalo Sabres. So the Sabre loss and the Penguin win last night, very good for them. Uh, the Seattle Kraken, uh, the expansion team, just their second season, they sit right now in fifth place in the Western Conference. How, how about that? You know, this reminds me of, remember what the Las Vegas Golden Knights did? You know, that was a team that was an expansion team that made the playoffs very quickly. Well, the Seattle Kraken are doing the same thing um, Oliver Bjorkstrand with a uh, power play goal at 3.33 of overtime gave the Kraken the win in that one. And the Nashville Predators, my I guess that they would be considered my local team, I guess, uh, beat the Florida Panthers last night 2-1. to one. Nashville trying to work their way into a wild card slot. They sit six points uh, behind the Winnipeg Jets right now, but uh, they have won four of their last five games and have things going in the right direction. Uh, we switch from the NHL to MLB. And how about Christian Arroyo yesterday? You know, there were a lot of people that were questioning whether the Red Sox were making the right move by having Arroyo be their second baseman. They made the move for Adalberto Mondesi uh, to give them some uh, uh, insurance at second base. He, of course, he's not going to be ready yet. Well, Christian Arroyo yesterday against the Philadelphia Phillies hit two home runs. And uh, one of them a grand slam. And he hit him off of uh, a couple of pretty good pitchers. Look, uh, Bailey Falter, who is going to be in their rotation this year for the Phillies. And then uh, a right-hander by the name of Griff McGarry, who is, I think, their second highest pitching prospect in the Philly system. And the, and the grand slam was an opposite field home run. Uh, so Arroyo hit the crap. Or, or no, it was the first homer that was the opposite field home run. And then the uh, the grand slam, he pulled and uh, hit it over the monster, the mini monster uh, at uh, JetBlue Park down in uh, Fort Myers. But uh, the Red Sox beat the Phillies yesterday 15-3. to <laughs> I mean, come on. Uh, Rafi Devers with a couple of hits in this one. Justin Turner had a couple of hits. Uh, all looked good. There were a couple of, couple of things that you've got to be a little bit concerned with. And uh, one of them, Tanner Houck. Look, it was his first appearance of the spring. We can't get too concerned. But one of the problems with Tanner Houck and one of the issues I had with him coming out of the bullpen and when he was with the starter with the Red Sox is that he walks too many guys. And he walked four guys in an inning and two-thirds yesterday. It was a minor miracle that Philly didn't score. He faced nine hitters and walked four of them. You know, uh, and... and one of the things that Hauk said after the game was that I felt a little quick on the mound the whole time. You know, that I was just uh, uh, rushing things and, and, you know, and that's what the spring's all about. But, you know, excuse me, 
but this is this is a pattern with Hauk, you know. And so you know the people that want him to be in the starting rotation, be careful what you wish for. I'm not really sure. I'm not really sold on Tanner Hauk as having you know uh, all this uh, being as good as people think he is. You know, can he throw the ball hard? Yeah. Can he? You know, does his ball have a lot of movement? Yes. But uh, the results for me. Haven't been there yet. Even last year when they used him out of the bullpen, you know, there were times he was a pack of Rolades kind of reliever. So, you know, we'll see what happens. I don't think Tanner Houck right now, it's going to depend on injuries, obviously, with those three older guys. Uh, Brian Bayo, who had the forearm tightness, who was shut down for a little while, but is throwing again. But if if those, you know, the three older guys in Sale, uh, Paxton, and Kluber – those, those guys are in your rotation unless something happens, right? Nick Pavetta is in your rotation unless something happens. And that leaves the fifth spot open for some combination of uh, Brian Bayo, Garrett Whitlock, and Tanner Houck. Right? So you have seven pitchers for five spots. And right now, I mean, if... Pedro Martinez is to be believed, as we mentioned yesterday. Pedro's saying that Bayo's more talented than he was. Uh, then maybe Bayo's got that fifth spot. I still like Whitlock in the bullpen. I do. I, you know, I I, I just think Whitlock is a shutdown reliever. I, you know, look. Um, nobody listens to me, but that's where I'd keep him. Having him at the back end of that bullpen with the with with Chris Martin and Kenley Jansen and some of those other moves you made in the bullpen. I love that. Because, by the way, by the way, the Red Sox brought Ryan Brazier out yesterday. Shocking, Brian Brazier <laughs> gave up a bomb. You know, Ryan Brazier is one of those guys I still don't understand why the hell he is still on this team. You know, and I this is, again, another one of these instances where Mark, Matt Barnes mentioned the other day about people making decisions based on spreadsheets. The eye test tells me Ryan Brazier's not very good. The guy had an ERA of over five last year, and he was a human gas can every time you brought him in. So I don't get that. Um, but anyway, uh, by and large, you have to be uh, pleased with the results yesterday. The only other concerning thing yesterday, Connor Wong, who was who was supposed to be uh, come into the game, uh, left with a strained left hamstring. So that might open the door for Jorge Alfaro a guy that they signed to a minor league deal and an invitation to spring training, a guy who can uh, has a lot of power. Uh, the only problem, and he's got a great arm, um, the only issue with him is that he strikes out a ton. I think his strikeout rate in his career is like 34%. It's way too high. But he can mash, and he was mashing in, the, uh, in winter ball down in the uh, uh, Dominican Republic this year. He's going to play for Colombia in the World Baseball Classic. I like the idea of Jorge Alfaro better than I like Connor Wong. I like the Reese McGuire thing because McGuire can hit from both sides of the plate. Um, you know, I, And I think the Red Sox are hanging on to Connor Wong simply because he was part of that deal for Mookie Betts, and you've already given up on one of the guys you got from there. Uh, and so uh, eventually, if Connor Wong doesn't make it, it means you essentially traded Mookie Betts for Alex Verdugo, which means you absolutely got hosed. It's, that's really what that means. Uh, and uh, one funny note from yesterday from uh, the Minnesota Twins game, uh, they were playing against Tampa Bay, and Tampa's playing their spring training games this year at the Trop, their normal 
place where they play their regular season games because their minor league complex uh, was damaged uh, by a hurricane. And they only had about 2,500 people in the trop for the uh, the spring training game yesterday against Minnesota. Kenta Maeda is getting the start yesterday for the Twins. And come to find out for the two innings that he pitched, that pitch calm that the catcher has um, and the pitcher wears so that they can uh, relay the pitches back and forth without having to use signs, the volume on it was up so loud on the catcher, on Tony Walters, that the batter that that was up could hear every pitch. They knew what pitch was coming for two straight innings. Guess what? Kenta Maeda still pitched two shutout innings. <laughs> and they fixed it after that. But, uh, you know, and I guess uh, when he came off the field, Rocco Baldelli told, you know, told Maeda what was going on. He said, nicely done. He said, by the way, something to note, they knew every pitch that was coming. So, uh, you know, and that's not normally a problem, but when you're playing a spring training game in a in a cavernous area uh, like the Trop, you know, and it's indoors, so you don't have any external noise, uh, <laughs> you could understand how, uh, you know, it could be so, you know, quiet that they could hear that if it's up a little bit too loud, and it obviously was. It's pretty funny. Uh, 49 minutes past. Yeah, we're going to take another break. We're back in a minute. You're listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country. This season, so you can't blame the Mets for necessarily wanting to try a six-man rotation. I understand uh, Scherzer Scherzer's reticence about it. You know, when you're 39 years old, you've been doing the same thing your whole career. You know, I get it, uh, but yeah, you know what? I'm not a big fan of the whole idea of a six-man rotation. Jesus, you have a hard time finding five decent starters to begin with, right? <laughs> who's who's your sixth man going to be? You know, that's that's the issue for a lot of teams, you know, where they're struggling to put a rotation out there to begin with. And if you want to go to six men, uh, it's going to be a challenge. No question about that. And I don't, I don't even know that it's that big a deal. I mean, I get why the Mets are doing it. But in this day and age where you're starting pitcher, if they go six innings, that's like a long outing these days, right? You know, it's not like the old days when guys were going, you know, seven, eight, nine innings. Now, hell, now a lot of times you, you get them through five you know, they're shaking your hand when you get in the dugout saying, nice job. So, you know, I, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I, I understand. But, again, if you're uh, the owner of the Mets, you're talking to your GM and your manager, and you're saying, make sure we have these guys for 162. Uh, the Lakers announced uh, that LeBron James's injury is a little bit worse than they thought. It's a tendon injury in his right foot, and he will be out for three weeks. He is going to miss at least 10 of the Lakers' final 19 games. And here's the thing. Right now, the Lakers are not in playoff position. They sit in 11th place. Now, they're only a game out of that last spot, which would get them into the play-in round. But they're only two and a half back of sixth place and the final guaranteed playoff spot. But without LeBron James, this team is in big, big trouble. Look, LeBron James, despite his age, is leading the team in scoring. He is averaging 29.5 points a game. The only saving grace that the Lakers have, and the one thing that, that might help them, 
is that only seven of their final games are against teams that are above 500. So that might be the one thing that will save them. But they are going to have a long road ahead to make the playoffs without LeBron James. I mentioned uh, the kid from Detroit, Mercy, Antoine Davis, who was going for Pistol Pete Maravich's record uh, yesterday, did not get it. He fell four points short. He needed 26. He was held to 22 as uh, Detroit Mercy was knocked out of the Horizon League tournament. They lose 71-66 to Youngstown State. So they are done. Uh, They have a below 500 record, so they are not going to be going to the postseason. There is a chance they could get uh, invited to the CBI or the NIT. Not likely. Not likely. I think they're 13 and 17. Uh, Davis was 7 for 26 in the game, 4 of 16 on threes. Uh, you know, you know he wanted to get it badly. You know, regardless of whether he did it in the number of games that Pistol Pete did or not, you know, he still wanted to get it. And uh, uh, But he falls uh, four points short. Uh, one upset in women's college basketball last night. Washington State upset the number three team in the country, Utah. Uh, it was in the Pac-12 quarterfinals. Uh, 66-58, Utah goes down. And uh, that will... Uh, with the conference tournaments coming up and or in the, in the process, the Big East tournament this weekend. UConn looked at that one, I'm sure, very uh, uh, with glee because if UConn can run through the Big East tournament, UConn is still hoping to get a number one seed. And if they can get a couple of those teams ahead of them, UConn now number nine, get a couple of those teams ahead of them uh, to lose some games, UConn could still have a chance at the number one seed. That's going to do it for us here this morning. We'll be back Monday with another edition of the Wake Up Call. How about some Fleetwood Mac on the way out? Don't stop. We'll see you Monday. You've been listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country.